Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You ever get the feeling sometimes that if we don't do it now, if we let this be another Sodom and Gomorrah, that maybe we might be the generation that sees Armageddon. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events. As it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ's King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this special edition of the End Time Tribune. Let's get right to the meat and potatoes, shall we? In 1928, there was an agreement called the Red Line, which was a deal that was struck between several American, British, and French oil companies Concerning the oil resources within the territories that formerly comprised the Ottoman Empire within the Middle East. The origins of the Red Line Agreement can be traced back to the initial formation of the Turkish Petroleum Company in 1912. The TPC was formed as a joint venture between Royal Dutch Shell, Deutsche Bank, and the Turkish National Bank. Ladies and gentlemen, what is a king by today's definitions? Is it someone who exercises absolute authority? Ladies and gentlemen, what is it when you have more power than even that? I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, that Royal Dutch Shell, nor Deutsche Bank, nor the Turkish National Bank had anything to do with the sovereignty of those countries, yet within them they exercised absolute power. Ladies and gentlemen, Are you so sure that the four horns have not already been divided? If you look into the issue, listen intently 
You may just hear hoofbeats. Well, you're gonna pull those pistols and whistle Dixie.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this special edition, an editorial edition, shall we say, of the End Time Tribune. We're going to be talking about a little-known historical fact, the 1928 Red Line Agreement. Absolutely off the charts. Brian, how has your half-week been so far? And uh, please tell the listener what has led us down this little rabbit trail, shall we? Let us down this little rabbit trail to grief. I don't know, um, the last seven years. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. This is getting to be the culmination of the last seven years of work going through ancient history and then over the course of the last few months deciding to jump into the last few hundred years of history and noticing a very disturbing pattern that I don't know if anybody else has caught this or not. It's possible. I'm not going to claim to be the only one that has seen this, but nonetheless, it's something that changes our whole understanding of the way we've been looking at these last days. Well, I agree with you. I mean, that's my starting comments there for the moment. I'll let you in for a second. Well, let me say this. There's no doubt that there's a lot of research been done on this, Brian. The problem is that it's all really considered conspiratorial. And that's the way I have kept this at arm's length this whole time. Um, You know me, Brian. Um, If it comes to conspiratorial theories, I don't touch it. I don't do that. That's not what I do. I do the bibliodiciacy. That's what I do. Whether in Hebrew or whether in Greek, that's what I'm doing at any any given point in time. So that's the real problem here. But I am sure there are some people out there that's done really hardcore research on this. But to the point... I find it apropos that you stated the matter so simplistically. It was only through investigating the cycles of time itself that you were able to to perceive what was going on today. So, seven years ago, Brian... You were ill-equipped to be able to perceive this. Now, uh, lots of people know that uh, the visual mechanism in the different uh, species on this planet are wildly different. I mean, you could say, you could argue to a point that that which has the greatest vision of all is blind as a bat. And that's a fact, ladies and gentlemen. Because, you know, a lot of times I like to go out at dusk in my backyard and marvel at the bats going to and fro, eating their complete fill 
There's no way they can see their targets. And yet they never miss. And it's not until you understand why they're making those circuits, because that's what they do. I love watching them. They go to one end, turn on a dime. Go ten feet, turn on another dime. Turn on a dime. And I realize, and I know from my studies, every time they do that, they are eating their fill, even though they have no remote clue as far as the eyes are concerned, where their prey is. But yet God feeds them most wondrously. But take note, ladies and gentlemen. They have to listen for it. So with that in mind... Brian said it absolutely perfectly. He studied history, studied history, studied history. Then all of a sudden he moved into modern times and he knew exactly what to look for. Ladies and gentlemen, you could absolutely say that any one of the corporations or banks that I mentioned that took a red marker and started marking up the map of the Middle East, they most certainly had even more power than Alexander the Great. Absolutely staggering to the mind. So Brian, that's my thoughts on the matter. Why don't we get into this study straight away, please. Well, this is, uh, that's the whole thing, is where do we begin? What direction do we go? I mean, this is, uh, folks, well, let me point something out here before we kind of trudge much forward, uh, further forward. I mean, we could, We've covered some things that they would consider conspiratorial over the last few weeks. Um, I consider them historical now at this point because these are actually verifiable, known things. But this whole topic, actually, we don't even have to touch any of the uh, conspiratorial aspects because these are clear-cut dividing of all these lands throughout the Middle East that just so happens to fall into the ancient maps of the Diodaci, or the first time around the ride with Alexander the Great when his empire basically fell apart because of, well, it's a little tricky here. Did he name an heir to his throne? That's a great debate. His youngest, Alexander, by all appearances, might have been named that heir, and it's very possible he gave that signet ring away, but, of course, as power struggles work, well... Neither one of those heirs really got to do much anything. Now, it's when you begin to look at these maps, as far as the Diodaci were concerned, at the breakup of Alexander's empire, or, well, at the death of Alexander, maybe that's a better way to put it. And you compare these modern maps of what they've done 
with dividing up all these territories as well, you begin to realize it's one and the same. And it gets altogether rather peculiar. Now, I mean, the three mega ones that everybody should know is, of course, Seleucius, Ptolemy, and Antiochus, or the Antiochs, Antigonids, however you want to go about calling it, were the major ones. And, of course, we had, well, inside of uh, Macedonia and Greece and all that, of course, there was control there. And yet, that map always flip-flopped throughout history. You went three sometimes, you went four sometimes, sometimes there was a fifth empire, and it kept spreading, moving all over the map. If you just pull up simple maps and look at them, for instance, I have on the overtattentionshow.com, I have a very simple piece put together, which is basically, all I really did was took somebody else's website, uh, which you'll find the link at the top of that page, and called it the Four Horns, and you can take and go in there and either go to their site or just look at the maps, the pictures I put in there, and you can realize that, hey, wait a minute, this slid all over the place on a continual basis, just like and a spot, a sort of crazy division of the map. And yet you begin to realize that between an entire huge monstrosity of different agreements that happened as World War I came to its conclusion, it started with the underhanded Sykes-Picot agreement between the French and the British where they decided, hey, uh, end of World War I, we're not going to tell anybody, by the way, but the Ottoman Empire, it's going to break up, and we're going to divide it amongst ourselves. And you can go out there and you know even just pull up the simple Wikipedia for the Sykes-Picot agreement. I, you can look at the map and you can go, wait a minute, this is where they started dividing that land up. You move forward to that 1928 red line. You see that they did a further division. You start moving forward. As you slowly make your way towards World War II, you find out there's more divisions happening. America got their hands in the midst of it, starts dividing land up more. And the further you keep looking at these maps you begin to realize that in broad daylight, we have, Tatiadachi have already the four horns. Well, it's already happened, folks. It's just we kind of, at least on my end, were a little was a little slow to see it. And that's where I'm going to take a pause here for a minute and let Matthew comment. Well... It's amazing how they do this, ladies and gentlemen. It's amazing how they always keep you guessing. I mean, listen to this. Now, the original seven sisters of the oil power, okay, originally it was the Standard Oil Company of New Jersey, the Standard Oil Company of New York, the Standard Oil Company of California, the Texas Oil Company, Gulf Oil, Anglo-Persian, and Royal Dutch Shell. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, they didn't want you to see the truth because Standard Oil of New Jersey and New York, you see, 
They merge to become Exxon. So take one out of the equation. Then the Standard Oil Company of California, they renamed that Chevron, and it merged with Gulf Oil, eliminating another entity. See how this works? Do you see how this works? But the hands are always stained the same color. And you would think that it would be black. Oh, but it's not. They're stained blood red. When you step back, work through history, doesn't take you very long to see exactly what's going on. And it's almost like they have used the Bible as their playbook. I mean, it's almost like they're coloring by numbers. So cunning. So absolutely ruthless with other people's territories and their lives. And it blows the mind to realize that this is a this is a self feeding frenzy. You see it's the oil by which and through which they make war. And they make war for the use of acquiring more oil. And when you really look at it, it's amazing to me that people are so short so short-sighted to actually think that those companies are in those countries only getting the oil. What a bunch of fools. Ladies and gentlemen, they walk into those countries and they take whatever has value. They'll just set up a gold company with a different name. They'll just set up a diamond mine under a different name. And it absolutely blows me away how nobody perceives it. Because, well, when 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2 equals your hands being stained with blood... It is by far more entertaining just to watch the Super Bowl. Blows me away. How the prophecy has truly been fulfilled of this generation. Men truly are lovers of themselves. And on the off chance that's not so, the other prophecy has come true, and their hearts have waxed cold.
cold. At any rate, the question is, I wonder when the four craftsmen will have had their fill of Exxon and Chevron and British Petroleum and Royal Dutch Shell and Texaco. I wonder when they will have their fill of them always switching it up between French and British and American when that has absolutely nothing to do with it at all. Are you so dumb as to believe that the British government can stop them, or the American government can stop them, or that the French government can stop them? Oh, no. Oh, no. I assure you that Exxon, Chevron, Texaco... They hold 1,000-fold power of any of those said governments combined. Combined. They come when they want. They go when they want, and absolutely no one can stop them. No one can stop them. Ladies and gentlemen, how do you prosecute someone that's in your country? Like, well, let's just get live, local, and late-breaking. What are the people of North Dakota going to do to the Chinese that own all those wheat fields and, well, they own their own grain elevator, own the fields? I mean... The train has a special stop specifically at their grain elevator. It's a roundabout for the train. Yeah, your money paid for that. Your money. What are you going to do? You can't prosecute them. They're not citizens. They are absolutely operating with impunity, and there is absolutely nothing you can do about it. Nothing. The only thing that anyone really has to worry about is that point in time when Psalm 73 is going to come true. And all of God's faithful children is going to start crying out against them. Ah, yes, those gathered at the altar in heaven. Me, if you want my vote, I say a stampede's in order. That's what I say. That's what I say. Brian, I hope 
that I delivered my heartfelt opinion on said matter adequately enough for you. But please continue. Well, and I mean, this is where this is where we have to come to the stark realization that we've got a very complex picture in front of us. And not to even mention, you know, we've talked in the past about keeping an eye on Iran. Yet there's all these little tiny details over time that we needed to be aware of. I've mentioned, for instance, the uh, great game. Many times with Britain's absolute control over vast swaths of land all over the world. And as far as Iran is concerned in this, well, that's sort of how this whole controlling other places by Western nations, it began during that time with when Britain was doing all this. And that puts us into other spots within this. You know, we had thought for much time here that we needed to watch for the Hego to slam into media Persia for quite some time here. We kept watching for these specific things to happen, but then the more I began to look at history throughout, especially when you narrowed it into the last 120 years, something began to stand out over and over and over again, because once you have all those little tiny historical details in front of you, you see that some things that already happened that at first glance are hard to miss. But when you go back, for instance, I went and pulled this up again the other night to take a second look with all all of the things I've been looking at here over the course of the last few months at a video that you can find on Amazon Prime, for instance, is one spot you can get a hold of it called the uh, 100-Year War dealing with Iran. I believe it's Iran, the 100-Year War. Off the top of my head, I don't even know if this is sitting in my... Yep. That's exactly what that's called. It's the 100-Year War. It's called Iran, the 100-Year War. It's made by XIVE TV. I think that's XIV TV, something like that. Watch it again with everything I've been looking at. All of a sudden, when you watch this 100-Year War, you begin to realize all of these different little control factors where they keep basically putting in whatever new regime the West decides that they want running the show in Iran, and they keep flip-flopping, they keep doing this over and over and over again. You now, when I go back and I look at that video again, you can see it in broad daylight. You can even see when the last Shah, before the Ayatollahs, before the whole change of regime in Iran, you can see it in broad daylight, that when they brought in the new regime with the Ayatollah Khomeini, which is now we have the Islamic Revolutionary Guard, etc., you know, the whole regime that's sitting in Iran as we speak, you realize, again, you can see it in broad daylight. Multiple years before this, the Shah said, we're going to nationalize the oil. We want control of this. Lo and behold, as the years progress down the road, he starts getting these wild ideas again, and they say, nope, you got to go. 
And you can literally prove beyond any shadow of a doubt this point, at this point that, yes, the West put him into power. It was the same move. It's the same move on top of it that in 79 they pulled to fight the, the Bolsheviks, the Slavs, the Soviet Union, whatever name they want to throw at you to keep this whole fighting Russia thing on your mind. And basically from the words of, for instance, one of the uh, secret police that was uh, working for the Shah at that time stated quite to the point, we've been used. They're setting up, once again, the Western world is setting up a new puppet because they know that they can use the Islamic religion to fight against the Russians. You see, but here's a problem. That pattern of putting in the uh, the Islamic elements to use them to fight against the Russians, they learned that from the Germans. They learned that from Nazi Germany. And for instance, you can go out there just a few weeks ago, they released it again. This, these pictures have been out there, as I brought up before. I was rather confused by the comment. But you can uh, believe it was called the Grand Mufti of Palestine. He was directly in league with Hitler the entire time. There's several photos of him that were taken with Hitler. And they used these same elements for different purposes, whatever their goal may be at their given point in time, but they kept using all these varied Arabian nations. <laughs> they just use them for whatever they decide they want to use them for at that point in history. And then if they don't like somebody all of a sudden, they just set up a different puppet regime and take them down. We watched it happen nonstop here with the Arab Spring. I mean, go through and start looking at all those leaders and check out where they all went to school. It's in your face that they were all trained in America. I don't think that's coincidence, especially considering they all seem to go to the same schools in all these circles in the political realm. So you begin to see this pattern. And as I stated, yes, you've got CIA documenting the fact that, yeah, we took them down and put in the Ayatollah Khomeini's regime with the now, you know, we just have in the last few days here, once again, we've seen everything at lightning speed. Well, Netanyahu is sitting in a very dangerous predicament now as he's starting to realize that he's been a pawn in somebody else's very destructive game. And as things sit at this very moment, Israel's literally surrounded by all of its enemies, and you're seeing treachery on a scale that is absolutely unbelievable. Because now all the Western nations, they decided we're going to keep Assad in power once we clear out this other mess with ISIS, that's what the agreement is. And they know full well that, for one, the previous Assad had serious problems and directly threatened Israel multiple times, as a matter of fact, launching wars on them. Iran has got a major foothold all throughout there in Syria. So this has put bases all over. Let us not forget what's happening here is they're saying that basically Mosul, they're pretty much giving the all-clear sign. We've got the Kurdish people that are in charge of certain positions there. And we have a very high, high Iranian presence as they've removed the previous regime 
set up one set of new puppet regime, and then that fell apart. We see the same pattern happening again and again all over the place. Afghanistan, they just made a big UN decision about, well, Libya, we don't want to knock them down yet. Let's see if we can get them to play nice. Otherwise, we'll just remove him. They released a big UN document about this the other day. The same story over and over and over again. And for Pete's sakes, it gets old. I mean, this is the entire thing is we go backwards and look at the Sykes-Picot agreement, for instance. When ISIS began storming through, when this caliphate was, when they were trying to set this caliphate up, this Islamic empire, they kept stating over and over again, we are going to get revenge for the Sykes-Picot agreement. It comes up here and there in the news, but for the most part, it hardly ever gets mentioned. So this, with everything that's happening, for instance, we just had all this stuff break out on the Temple Mount. We covered several weeks back the happenings that have been taking place around the Temple Mount. There was two or three IDF officers that were shot at the Temple Mount, and this caused basically the Israeli uh, forces there decided they had to remove anybody from around the Dome of the Rock there, and in the meantime, all of a sudden, once again, you had people showing up there doing things they shouldn't have been doing, causing even more contention again. And so much so that, well, the United States seems to like want to do everything via proxy nowadays, or at least that's the narrative they're trying to get us to buy, sent the leader of Saudi Arabia over to Israel and said, hey, you better stop playing around here with the Dome of the Rock. You better set this straight now to the stage of insanity. But with all these divisions that it happened with these previous maps, with the Sykes-Picot moving to this 1928 red line, moving forward into the timing of when Ibn Saad came to power, when Nazi Germany came to power and started seizing all these areas or certain parts were in league, with Nazi Germany, for instance, Iran at that point in time, they were also an ally up to a certain stage. As the different theaters played out through World War II, obviously he had all kinds of changes within the maps. You know, you can look at Rommel, for instance. What did he do? He went into Africa to secure all the varied resources they needed their hands on to drive their war machine. And we look at the map. And we watch these things, we watch the same ridiculous garbage going on where these robber barons, it doesn't matter what it is, whatever resource is there that they want, they come in and take, be it oil, be it, you know, the things to build the iPhones. We got an entire African nation that they've got up in flames just so they can get in there and get those little pieces for these iPhones. I mean, it's it, it gets dumb after a while, what these people... For money, they'll just they'll wipe out anybody. It doesn't matter as long as they're filling their coffers on a continual basis. But when you see these people on top of it, they're also the same ones that keep getting put into positions of power all throughout the world. And they're also loaded from being robber barons. You begin to wonder if the whole system seems to be rigged. And we can clearly see... You can't escape what's happening. 
I just... So, I mean, many are probably asking, what are we going to see happen here with Iran? I don't know. I guess the West, the West is going to have to see what they really have on their plate. But this is something we've been discussing for some time here, and the background is um, knowing full well that the four horns had already been set up, they've been moving back and forth, and and all the same land masses as the Diodachi, you got to come to that conclusion after a while that maybe the Lord was telling us all along that we need to look at all the events that happened preceding the birth of Messiah, then we should probably be looking for a mirror for the second coming. And it really, when you begin to look at it and you see what's happening at those times, and then you realize the one belt, one road also coincided with that. And this is the biggest strategic playing field right now where you can watch the bringing these things in for the one belt, one road, and people are always going in and stirring up trouble on these little spots. The Parthian Empire was very smart on how they moved that silk through there and how they kept control of that to bring that into Rome, who was pretty much corrupted with their greed for the silk. They became overly fascinated by it. You can go out there and look at the records of just this consumerism with the silk and how much trouble it was causing in Rome on every every level. That means on top of it, too, and I think I've said this for years, this means we need to be looking... For somebody else to be maneuvered into place because of course with the Assyrian he is going to bring the Magi but just like it happened around uh, that time of 12 BC up into 21 AD and forward then that means we need to watch for other things that happened I mean how many people are aware that the Achaemenid Assyrian satrapy had kept going at the time of the Persian Empire. They didn't get touched. Assyrians were left to do as they wanted. So they stayed there in history. You know, empires changed hands when Alexander the Great came along. Well, they still stayed sitting in that same area, which is, well, today it is modern Erbil. E-R-B-I-L. This is where Kurdistan, this is where the Pashkarma have been working from. They're making moves to set up a new governing body. And at the same time, something major happened that makes your head really spin when you take this into the context of Micah. Because there wasn't a Syrian in that day. There's a lot of wars that went on back and forth with Parthia, with Armenia, with Rome. You can even just go in and look at the simple details and Josephus and scratch your head with all the chaos that was happening. But there was this Assyrian king, his mother, this Assyrian queen. Well, around this time, they both became Jews. Syrian king is out, obviously, you know, the different political things that are happening then to completely cause trouble, stir up tray roots, try to solidify power. It's pretty much no different than what we see today. 
was there for his purpose in that time to give us a mirror of what to look for at this time as well. And, you know, it's real interesting with his mother because his mother actually shows up in the New Testament during, it's actually one of the famines that it was through their kingdom, through this Assyrian kingdom that was in her bill, which was called a diabean at that point in history. Well, it's, they helped in the famine that's mentioned, I believe, off the top of my head in the book of Acts. When you look at it in this way, when you begin to realize what's already happened here, folks, this, this reshapes our perception of what it is that we're looking at as we speak, and we can begin to see why all this stuff is happening on the world stage exactly the way it is now. I'm going to take a moment for a break. Let Matthew chime in here. Oh, yes. You can see through the eyes of an angel, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, they perceive things a whole lot differently than you do. Looking down through the folds of time, they see the same faces for the same characters playing the same game. We, however, have a whole lot of trouble doing that. Always did, always will. Ladies and gentlemen, there are things going on in the ground right now that technically we have absolutely nothing to wait on. I mean, for Pete's sakes, you had no idea what was going through my mind after Brian had finished upwards of three weeks of genetic research. Looked at the map and right there they are up to the same shenanigans. You know, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, we're going to cover this on our regularly scheduled broadcast, of course, that Ukraine has been officially divided. Talk about stirring up a hornet's nest. But that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. And at the end of the day, there's only one thing that's going to be able to be done with us because there's quite simply nothing else can be done. It's amazing to me. God has literally come out and told you how things are going to be. 
He's literally told you that time is cyclical. With his own mouth, he states that he chases after that which has been. And yet, I can't even have an intelligent conversation with someone with an, with an academic background in theology. They can't even comprehend that. They're either a futurist or they're a preterist. In either event, they're absolutely the opposite of what God himself has stated. So, that being the case, because that is the case, How could the wool not be pulled over the church's eyes? I mean, I get a kick out of sometimes talking with uh, people that are supposed experts in Hebrew and Greek. I mean, I'm of oftentimes saying... I'm sorry, but you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. I mean, case, case in point, what are the wicked and unclean spirits? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's in the Greek, so if you're... Uh, expert in Greek and I ask you where that list is and you don't know that means well you don't know that's what it means it means you don't know but when God does it so absolutely perfectly with how he puts the words in those verses he knows exactly what to say case in point I was just talking about this with Brian the other day I think I was discussing with him this issue. I'd had this conversation, so I was telling Brian about me getting frustrated, but ladies and gentlemen, he does it perfectly. Because everybody knows that the most ancient encyclopedia ever created loudly states that a siren is half sparrow. It's half sparrow. Everybody knows that. And if you don't know that it's in that order, in the Greek, then you don't know what you're talking about. That's why he uses that order. So with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, I understand your mind being an absolute discord with everything that Brian has discussed so far in this broadcast. It goes against your grain. By the way, why don't you go back and look into the Department of Education and find out what money it was that bought all the school books and who decided what went into the school books. You know, ladies and gentlemen... 
It's common knowledge that the most popular thing on the planet that is black is ink. Did I just shock you? I mean, I, I hope not. <laughs> no, really. For thousands of years, people have been reading black ink, and everybody knows it. But it's amazing to me how Deutsche Bank or Chevron or Texaco has you believing that the most popular thing that's black is oil. Blows me away every time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our break. I do hope you will enjoy a bit of theocracy at my daughter's request, but of course.
You're listening to the End Time Tribute.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. Well, Brian, let's uh, let's uh, talk for a few minutes uh, off topic, shall we? Um, we got some episodes coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as of uh, last night, uh, Brian and I had a little bit of a... Dispute, shall we say, or maybe disagreement, but uh, uh, that has uh, led us to uh, doing more stuff. Uh, no problem with us doing more stuff. Everybody knows that uh, the Bible, God's holy word, provides infinite, in-depth study. Uh, Brian was rather put off at me. I uh, was not aware that he was put off at me. Uh, that came by way of something else, so he sent me a kind of, uh, I don't know what you would call that message, but anyway, I got it. A message received, so we're going to start doing uh, some stuff. I guess we're going to do some uh, celestial somology here coming up really short. Uh, things that we can discuss and talk about. Um, for one, because that's the particular issue that uh, Brian had an issue with me about. But uh, Brian and I would just discuss this publicly because uh, it really doesn't matter when there is disagreements as long as both parties are, well, have their destination set on the same place. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there's, there's no problem with having disputes and arguments among your brothers and sisters. As long as the intent is known by both parties, and that intent should be even as the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray. Ah, yes. His will on earth as it is in heaven. As long as the bride of Christ has the same intentions... Everything else matters little. So, Brian, uh, why don't we just uh, talk about this a little bit, about what happened, uh, the goings-on. No reason to keep our disputes in private because, uh, well, the bride needs to know that, you know, this happens. Um, everybody knows that uh, dealing with me can be really pride quite uh, precarious at times. I do, uh, well, I do have a fuse because I'm human. When that fuse is lit, it's just a matter of time before you get both barrels square in the chest at point blank range. Make no mistakes about it. That's because I'm not Jesus. That's because it's my intention to be Christ-like. 
So, uh, Brian, let's just talk about that a little bit and maybe some uh, show ideas we got coming up, uh, stuff like that, before we continue on with this uh, red line agreement in the Four Horns. Well, it's it's a pretty vast, how would you call that, a swath of material. I mean, there's been, we, we've known that the further we go along here, there's a whole lot that we still need to get out there for the edification of the bride and even taking it a step forward. I already know that there's, at least around here, there's a lot of lost that have been listening intently. And I think there's a whole lot of, uh, a lot of stuff we still haven't had time to talk about. So we're going to at least try to get in here and do that once a week. You know, we can, uh, it's rather interesting between the two of us because while well, the two of us can butt heads back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and we that's just the way the two of us operate if I see something wrong I call it out and if Matthew catches me doing something wrong he calls it out and that's the way we should be working as fellow members within the body because well that's how we're told to conduct ourselves and it does what it does for the furthering of the Lord's purposes within the earth. And I'll take a break there for a moment. I'm going to tell you right now, though, I'm looking at something very disturbing here, Matthew, in the news. And I'm going to send you the link to this. Uh... All right. Should While you you're uh, just we may need... moving in the direction you want to go all right, um, shoot it over to me. I will take a look at it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, we're going to do a, at least one celestial somology uh, coming up here pretty soon. We are also, uh, now that I think about it, I don't think that uh, we've ever talked about the origin of the wicked and unclean spirits, so to speak. We've never talked about that Uh and I guess that's wrong. I guess that's due course for all of you to be mad at the Brian Eye. Um, because, well, ladies and gentlemen, it, it's, it's, it's not that the Brian Eye don't want to edify you. That's, that's not the case. Um, the case is where do you start? Okay, uh, so, uh, yes, the Bible is quite clear exactly what the demons are. The Bible loudly comes out and tells you that, and it gives you a list of in order that makes itself plain as to what they are. So, uh, we're going to do that. Um of course, it doesn't really matter what path we want to go down. The question is, is, is what do we have time to cover? Um, also, um, I've received uh, quite a few emails about a timelines that was, I thought, was posted 
uh, privately uh, for our sister Jenny, but I didn't realize that that they were on her Twitter feed publicly because I couldn't see them on my Twitter feed. I thought it was a message that I was sending. Well, anyway, by the time the third or fourth one came around, <laughs> uh, it can be quite shocking when you look at them and you realize that it makes sense. Uh, but I did that specifically for Jenny. She she asked me a particular question uh, in private, so of course I took uh, I took the time to go through the old uh, files and find those that I've made, and I sent them to her in a message. Or so I thought it wound up publicly, and because her Facebook was also uh, hooked up with her Twitter feed, they went on Facebook, and then. Uh, then, uh, wow, did I get messages about that? Because people, I, but but not bad messages. They were really excited about what they'd seen when they realized that, oh my goodness, that's why God talks about the wonders that He performed in the Exodus so many times. That's that's why. When you look at the timeline, you'll see it. And it's only through understanding that timeline that you're able to understand what is to come. Now, uh, what I'm looking at here, I don't understand. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this headline, it says, Israel confiscates Palestinian land for military purposes. What on earth is going on here? And he sends well, me another link. Settlers imposed caravan on Bethlehem land? Brian, what is read, this about? Read the first one on top yeah. of it, too, the UNESCO. Um, this UNESCO article, uh, Israel National News had just published this on the 14th. UNESCO gave the green light to kill Israelis on the Temple Mount. And I just spoke about the Grand Mufti of Palestine and uh, Hitler's use of him. And it's right here in this article, folks. Um, I, I'm sorry. Look, what, I, I'm, go ahead. What? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is really what the headline is from Arut Sheva. UNESCO gave green light to kill Israelis on the Temple Mount. This this really is the headline. I exactly what jurisdiction does UNESCO have as far as life and liberty to any group of people on this planet? let alone the Temple Mount. So you're just saying this just now, Brian? You did, Why didn't you send me this yesterday? You're, so you're just because saying this now? I just found it just now because I had seen rumbling with Bethlehem in the news. And let me maybe explain why it caught my attention, everybody, because I just brought something up crucial about the Assyrian from a diabetes 
that was alive at the same time of uh, was it alive at the exact same time that Christ was walking the earth. His name is Isopsis. You can find him in Josephus. You can find him throughout all kinds of different uh, texts. You know, giving a little little description here from the uh, Jewish Encyclopedia. I believe this is the 1906 version of it. Proselyte king of Adiabene, son of Queen Helena of Monbaz I. And just look this up, check into it. Nonetheless, Adiabene or Bill, it's one in the same place, folks. And we covered this extensively in the battle for Mosul, a.k.a. Nineveh. Because this is where the Peshkar Ma are located. This is their chief base, is in Erbil. Another detail we had covered in those programs. Well, folks, you might want to wrap your mind around the fact that this is the leopard spoken of in prophecy. It's all over the place in the uh, ancient land of Erbil from all the ancient findings. But, of course, I pulled back to memory right away yesterday what I had seen concerning Bethlehem News because we just brought this up, folks, Micah 5. Now shall you gather yourself in troops, O daughter of troops. They have laid siege against us. They smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, will which are too little to be among the thousands of Judah. Out of you shall come forth unto me that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who travaileth hath brought forth. Then the residue of his brethren shall return with the children of Israel. And he shall stand and shall feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide, for then he shall be great unto the ends of the earth. And this shall be peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land, and when he shall tread in our palaces, then we shall raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes among men. Now, folks, yesterday I had seen Bethlehem come up in the news in a major way, and it already set off major alarms. And recall what I stated before. We, at the time of Christ, we literally had an Assyrian king that had converted to Judaism. Was in place at that time, so we, on top of a but we therefore know as well, we talked about this many in many of the past episodes over the years, but for new listeners, obviously, they're not aware of this. Well, the Assyrian never invaded Israel at the time of Messiah. And when we move around and around and around in all these things we've been discussing over these last few programs, we've had many, I've had many questions about, well, you know, what, what's going on here with the thing I wrote up on Iran, for instance? Where's the false prophet in all of this? What's happening? What's happening is what I explained previously. We should have already in our minds wrapped around the fact that we should be looking for history to be set 
this time around the rye set in the same way that things were set up the last time around the ride at the time of the birth of Messiah through his life up to the crucifixion and resurrection. We should have known already to look at this, but sometimes being human as we are, we can miss what's right in front of our eyes. It took me several days to puzzle this through my head. And it's getting to the point where it gets rather disturbing because every time we go to look at something here in the background, I'll find one little location, go to find out where that place is, find out what the modern name of it is, and then pop that into the news to see what's going on there. And without fail, you can ask Matthew, he'll back me on this. Without fail, we see major events transpiring on all of these major places. Now we have Bethlehem in the mix. We have just had it basically publicly stated that Mosul, Nineveh, has been swept clean. I'm going to stop there and let Matthew chime in now. Do I got you here, Matthew? Yes, you have me. Uh, I, of course, had myself muted. Um, That's all I didn't think it apropos Classic. that I give that spill before I practice, I guess. So, uh, okay. Uh, sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's been over the past couple of years that Brian and I have been bringing to light the Emmanuel prophecies. I have also uh, let the cat out of the bag about the Emmanuel Elohim that the English translations can't seem to get right. So, even though that was not intentional for us to be able to put two and two together, that we need to remember that this next time around the ride will mimic the Emmanuel prophecy. And make no mistakes about it. Uh, this time, when the Emmanuel prophecy is put into place, it is going to be the event of events. It's going to be the tribulation trigger itself. <coughs> Excuse me. So, Brian and I have been talking about this um, lightly over the past couple of years. Uh, I discussed it at length on Facebook before I left, um, beginning to talk about these things, uh, especially the simple fact, uh, I think on one of those discussions on the social networking site, I... Uh, made it quite public once and for all that if you hear a biblical expert uh, speaking of the Hebrew word there used in the Emmanuel prophecy for version, uh, that that is quite incorrect because the New Testament is quoting the Septuagint, not the Masoretic. Now, if you're new uh, to uh, Brian and I, no, we are not saying that uh, 
the Masoretic is incorrect or that the Septuagint is correct. That's not what we're saying at all. We're the only ones that you will exclusively hear say this. The Greek is correct and the Hebrew is correct. Okay, but in this instance, it is not the Una, the, the Hebrew, that is being quoted from in the Adido Regia New Testament manuscript. It's quoting from the Septuagint. So if you hear a biblical so-called teacher start spouting off what uh, the book of uh, Isaiah chapters 7 and 8 is saying about the virgin, they don't know what they're talking about. It's quoting from the Septuagint, not the Masoretic text. Now, just so you all know, yes, that is another set of data that the Hebrew is giving you. So I am not, nor is Brian, saying that it's not important what the Hebrew says because it does. That's just additional information. It's additional information that will take you down another set of verses and chapters you need to go to get additional information on this topic. So with this in mind, it was not Brian and I's intention to obviously be under gross error. That is a gross error, ladies and gentlemen, if we couldn't put two and two together that uh, because Obadiah was written, uh, because the parallel apocalypse was written, um, how could you not see the importance of the Emmanuel prophecies in this last, once around the ride we go, this final spin of the merry-go-round? So it wasn't intentionally, but we have been discussing that topic over the past two years. And you know what? I don't think Brian and I have done an Emmanuel episode yet. Uh, all that stuff that we've talked about has really been kind of, I think, on the social networking side or just, just privates or maybe tiny chat. We may have mentioned it a little bit on TalkShoe but we've never officially done a program exclusively on the Emmanuel prophecy and its ramifications, uh, the inception of the Moshiim. I don't think we've ever did one of those, so I guess we'll put that on the burner too. Um, need to do all three episodes that I talked about over the next three weeks. Uh, we should just try to do one a week and just really, really get that out, but uh, Brian, why don't you take a read of this article? It's extremely short uh, about uh, Bethlehem. Uh, let's let's take a look at that real quick. About which one? Uh, settlers impose caravan on Bethlehem land. Uh, well, from just... Go ahead. From IMEMC News. Well, and that's a, a good little spot to start, because let me point out some stuff here, folks, real quick. 
You know, you have to go back and look, historically speaking, at what happened during what we've talked about, Esther. We've talked about, of course, the book of Daniel. We talked about Ezra and Nehemiah. And then you need to flip the fast forward button to events leading up to 1917, the Belfort Agreement, and moving forward, and so on and so forth, in recognizing the fact that you had settlers coming back into Israel, living amongst the population that was there at the time. You had it happen at the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, Esther, the book of Daniel. And then when we rolled forward to 1917, lo and behold, the exact same pattern happened. Now, settlers imposed caravans on Bethlehem land. Now, take note of this pattern here, folks, because when this new version of Zionism flared up, it was more of a nationalistic overtone when Netanyahu came in. What they did is they started building all these settlements throughout all these different spots where international law said that you can't do that yet. And this has been causing great consternation amongst the nations. And reading this article here, this was released on the 16th. It could be today. I've lost track of time as I always do. So 19th today. So it states here, Israeli settlers on Sunday set up caravans on lands near the village of Al-Qadar to the south of Bethlehem in the occupied West Bank, according to local sources. Ahmed Salah, coordinator of the Anti-Settlement Committee in the village, told Wafa that a group of settlers set up five caravans on lands outside the village. Salah said that this move aims at expanding a nearby illegal settlement outpost. It came only a few months after Israel opened a road in the area to serve illegal settlers. Earlier this month, the Israeli government approved the construction of New settlements near Ramallah to house settlers removed from Amona, a controversial settlement outpost from which settlers were evacuated in February. It also approved the construction of tens of thousands of new housing units in existing settlements throughout the occupied West Bank and East Jerusalem. The international community regards all settlements built on land occupied in 1967 as illegal under international law and calls on Israel to remove them. Now, folks, I need to once again reinforce this in everybody's minds because, look, you need to go back. You need to look at the historical documentation. There's some documentaries out there you can even look at concerning the neocons here in America. Their connection with Netanyahu stated in broad daylight what his job was to do on top of it when he came into Israel. It was to sever the peace agreement made between Yitzhak Rabin and Yasser Arafat. And what happened when he got there? Well, everybody got riled up in a massive way. They were basically showing uh, Yitzhak Rabin wearing a Nazi outfit and essentially calling him a whole bunch of names. We kind of know how these crowds can get riled up. One thing leads to another, and next thing you know, he's getting a bullet put in the back of his head. What was stated by the neocons right in broad daylight, as a matter of fact, is when you go in there, you are to break. 
these peace accords, you're to make them null and void. That's exactly what has been done. And year after year after year, people have been going in there when Netanyahu is in power, trying to get this peace process started, went back at the time of, well, going from Reagan and forward into the Bush Jr. regime. Well, Verdi knew all along that his job was to break these peace accords. So what is happening every time that these leaders are trying to sit down and get these things passed? But it's like I said, when you look at all these different news stories in tandem as we speak, Netanyahu's come to realize that he's been used in a pawn in somebody else's very disturbing game. This is why, for instance, the UNESCO gave the green light to kill Israelis on the Temple Mount. Okay, folks, I will post this article to my Twitter and probably throw it up on the website. You need to read this because it basically states everything in here we've been talking about, including the Grand Mufti who was used by Hitler at the time of World War II. It's not coincidence, not by any stretch of the imagination. And these things popping into the news, late and breaking, especially when we just bring up Micah 5. I mean, look. Trump just walked into the Middle East. All of the Arab Gulf nations and armed them to the teeth. A few weeks later couple months, I don't know what the time frame has been here anymore. All of a sudden, next thing you know, they're going, we need to keep Assad in power. And then we have Iran in the situation, who's able to rally almost a million troops at a given moment with the Islamic Revolutionary Guard. But never mind the fact of what I've proven beyond any shadow of a doubt now, just with historical documentation, Word of mouth right out of the testimony of people that had been right there in broad daylight that said, hey, by the way, once again, the Western nations set up the Ayatollah Khomeini and the new regime that is ruling Iran now. And all of a sudden, everybody's got all their weapons trained right on Israel. This is getting ugly real quick. I'm going to pause there and let Matthew come in. This could get ugly in the twinkling of an eye, so to speak, ugly. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get back to the red line. What is, why on earth did we go arm all of Israel's enemies. I mean, how many billions did we not just give Saudi Arabia? On top of that, Clinton uh, notified us that we also gave them an oil refinery to boot. Ladies and gentlemen... If you have degradated a people to the point where they can't arm themselves so that you can fight them and declare war on them and obliterate them, no problem. 
That's not how the U.S. of A rules. That's not how we roll. I mean, oh my goodness. Have you all forgotten the Iran-Contra affair? I mean, really. I mean, let me tell you a little tale about the DMZ and North Korea. Uh, on the 10th day that I was in North Korea, yeah, we tagged a North Korean in the DMZ, and we brought his corpse back, and guess what? He was exclusively using U.S. military equipment. And I mean the whole nine yards. Night vision goggles, the whole nine yards. He didn't have one stitch of clothing, nor one piece of equipment that was not exclusively issued by the United States military. So, ladies and gentlemen, let, let, let me ask you something. How did Iran get the technology for supercavitating torpedoes? I'm sorry. Where did I... Here, let's use the other hand. Where did North Korea get the technology for intercontinental ballistic missiles? I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. You don't think it was the Russians, do you? Well, of course not. They're right there on their border. You all do remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, right? Of course Russia would not give intercontinental ballistic missile technology to North Korea. Duh. So something else is at play here, and it seems like to me that this time they want to, to divide this land for good. They're tired of dealing with the locals, so to speak. But there's going to be one who rises who's going to put an end to it. He is called the false prophet, and he is the Assyrian. But ladies and gentlemen, we just walked in there and gave all of the terrorists. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, you do know who took part in 9-11, right? You do know they came from the same country that your POTUS just gave billions of dollars worth of weapons to. I mean, surely you know that. You, you have to know that. How could you not know that? Ladies and gentlemen, are we looking at an end game? Have these... Robber barons decided to list just divide this land up once and for all, kill all the locals. Let's talk about Nineveh, shall we? 
I mean, ladies and gentlemen, it's common knowledge, I guess to everybody except an American citizen, that when you follow the chain, we were arming the terrorists. We were arming ISIS. Ladies and gentlemen, Bashir al-Assad, you realize he was trained in the West, right? Just like he's just, he is a spitting image of Benjamin Netanyahu. And you don't realize that we've turned treacherous and turned against the Syrian government? Ladies and gentlemen, you need to look at it this way. Russia is in there defending the duly elected official, which, by the way, we set up anyway. We're the bad guys in this situation, and everybody knows it. That's why within days of them setting up a no-fly zone, we went in there and hit them and hit them hard. I mean, surely you realize these things. Maybe that's what the Battle of Nineveh was all about. Maybe that was the deciding factor. Maybe the robber barons are completely tired of it, and they just want to end this charade once and for all and just go in there and wipe out all the locals. And I mean by locals, where's the oil at? Okay, well, we need to kill everybody in Somalia. All right. We need to kill everybody in Yemen, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, all of them. We just need to, to take it. Well, let me actually interject something here. Because we need to remember, well, actually, we need to remember a few things, folks. Because even in my email, yeah, you see, I still get emails from... Well, people I know that are just absolutely full of it. Uh, you know, once again, they're running around with their atypical, you know, their atypical, let's see, um, the latest one is the Pope is setting up the New World Order. And I just had to giggle. And then I go and look at the actual source material it was pulled from. It's not at all what was being said, which is, you know, the usual. But has everybody forgotten what the beginning of that whole comment, New World Order, is? Oh, well, wait a minute. Isn't that first part New World? Let's go backwards to Kissinger at least openly told everybody, but here's the problem. We had a quadruple turncoat family of spies, the Philby family. You can find out a lot about Kim Philby, who it's common knowledge he was working for both the Russian. He was working with the British intelligence, and then, of course, he was in the American embassy working hand-in-hand with the CIA. Everybody knows full well about the Dulles brothers and their, well, it's pretty much common historical knowledge now that they were helping out the Nazi regime. We had mass, mass amounts of financial backing going to the Nazi regime. This is all not, this is historically documented fact now. But Kissinger at least came out and said it. In order for us to control the world, we have to keep the Middle East in absolute pandemonium and chaos 
at all times. Once again, they've gone straight back to that whole way of doing things. Right, me, but let me let me alliterate what you're trying to say, Brian. Answer me this. Where is Kissinger located at? <laughs> at this point, I don't know. That Bavarian accent keeps getting thicker and thicker. You tell me. I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, he's from the New World. Do you get it? Look, in 1969, the French assassins, all three of them, went back to Argentina and reported. Let me explain. Let me put it in a way that's going to open up your mind. The Tim Kings is going to burn her because of this. These people have decided to rule from the New World. You've all been saying New World Order, but that's not what they meant. What they meant was order from the New World. Get it? Do you get it? Now do you understand why the New Silk Road, the One Belt, One Road, has nothing to do with Mundus Novus, the New World? Brian, sorry for the interruption. Go ahead. Well, it's uh, I guess to point out a twofold factor on that. I mean, the Kissinger family. We do need to remember that they. Well, here's the story. I still tend to wonder myself because of all the peculiarities with Kissinger. But nonetheless, his family had fled from those regions over Bavaria when World War II was flaring up and when the, all the anti-Semitic activity that was happening all throughout the European nations, Stalin on top of it was doing a whole lot of no good anti-Semitic activities were going on. And unfortunately, it was happening in the New World on top of it. It literally was pretty much taking by storm all those different areas. Kissinger, though, see, that's I knew something was weird about that boy because of the fact that, and it's even pointed out by several people, his Bavarian accent keeps getting thicker. The older he gets, the more that Bavarian accent increases. And the problem, and I knew something was up with him, but then I go and look, and lo and behold, and this is documented historical fact, he was working with the Dulles, who became the head of the CIA. He was working at the same time with him, with the group that was bringing these Nazi war criminals into all these different spots throughout the New World and moving them through other varied places. This gets complex with the rat lines. Everything that was being moved through there because I'm still learning a lot on this one. And it gets very interesting what happened as far as getting the uh, Israeli, getting the Jewish people into Palestine because they realized that they found out what was going on. They actually were one of the most instrumental intelligence groups. Um, the Jewish intelligence groups that were working with Russia were one of the most instrumental in bringing Germany to its knees. 
And it's a mind-blowing story, one I'd never heard of before. But they realized they could use these same rat lines, and you had a whole lot of movement of a lot of different groups there that kept people greatly confused. And you had these refugees fleeing from all these spots going into Palestine. And remember now what everybody's great consternation is once again because we have all these Islamic people that are fleeing as refugees trying to get in all these different areas. It's a different group group of people. But unfortunately, they still have this darn same goal in mind as they are committing. Folks, did you not see what we're just, just done to the Yazidi? Kurds, they tried to commit genocide on them. All right, there's people here in the United States that are claiming to be Christians, and then they're out of the same breath of their mouth. They're saying we must make, we must kill every single Muslim on the face of the planet. Goes back to what I said last week. These robber barons, they will commit genocide for money and for power. And they don't care who gets in their crosshairs. Well, Brian, that's why I just said that. You brought that up the other day, that you decided to do some investigating. There's some mainstream Christian ministries calling for the extermination of all Muslims. That's what I just said. Ladies and gentlemen, I just said, is this their end game? Have they grown tired of the locals? Are they planning on a wholesale extermination so they can just do whatever they want? You well, have to put is, two and two together. And this is where it gets bothersome. I mean, for Pete's sakes, they're doing it to the people in Africa on a continual basis. South America is in an absolute and continual pandemonium. <clears throat> they're just it, it gets to the point where it's ridiculous. And I mean, look, folks, they've outlawed using the Nazi flag all throughout these European nations, yet we've got Nazis walking around in broad daylight with automatic weapons on American streets. So what have they gone to to do within the European nations? Well, they just decided to use the Confederate flag. Or did we not forget what this current commander-in-chief stated a while back about, well, why did we have to have the Civil War? Folks, if you can't see history repeating itself right now on the most disturbing level, I don't know what to say. That's my interjection. I don't know. It's just off the charts. You know, the whole Confederate flag thing is just off the charts. It's off the charts, man. You know, ladies and gentlemen... We bomb everywhere. I mean, I don't even know how many countries we're bombing right now. But it's obviously 
a historical fact that whoever it is that Kissinger really works for, because he's not American, ladies and gentlemen, okay? He's, he's just not. They had decided that the safest course of action, ladies and gentlemen, was to rule the world from the other side of the planet, to rule the world from the new world. You see, in World War II, World War I, it was too close of quarters, you understand? It was too close of quarters. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody who thought up the atomic bomb was German. Why were they brought over here? And why was fat man and little boy not dropped on military targets? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, the entire charade we had with the Imperial Japanese Navy's a joke. All we would have had to do was drop either Fat Man or Little Boy on one of those navies, and they would have been gone with the wind. So it's obvious what they have decided to do. It was too close to quarters. They wanted to rule the world from the new world. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I, when we talk about the economy, I brought that article up to everybody proving that well over one-third of all consumer goods is shipped to the new world. Well, then we've got a problem. So the One Belt, One Road initiative is just going to kind of leave out a third of their consumer base? Don't you realize what that means? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if that don't send chills up your spine, I don't need to edify you. You're dead already. You were so consumed with your love of mammon, there is nothing I can do to convince you that your redemption outweighs your retirement. But ladies and gentlemen, what I'm telling you is true. Look, I've just presented to you economic basis to prove the ten kings have already decided in their hearts that mystery Babylon must burn. If, if you didn't understand, that's what I meant. It is. That's, that's what I meant. And that means... We're a whole lot closer than somebody pulling out the start gun and pulling the trigger than you think. Brian, your closing comments, please, before we run out of time. 
Well, there were some details I've been sitting here pondering over my head. Several months back, I pointed out some things. Abraham Verdi, known as, well, the family, the fellowship. It's got a few names they run under. They run the prayer breakfast that happens once a year in Washington, D.C. Like it or not, he coined the phrase, a new world order. This is the facts. Okay, I know everybody has come to this mindset that this was a whole Masonic and Illuminati conspiracy. The Illuminati, look, folks, look into your history. They wiped them out in like next to no time. Freemasons, they have their own thing. They do their own thing. I'm not even going to go down that road. I do know what a Freemason was from ancient history. They helped Solomon build that temple. You should take a look at all the churches that were built by them all throughout Europe, into Scotland, and all over the place. They are a marvel, unlike anything you've ever seen. But we went from Abraham Verdi, who showed up, got ticked off about Roosevelt's New Deal, and he got it in his head. He said that, according to his mentality that we've had it all wrong about Christianity all this time, that it's not about the meek, they're not the ones that are supposed to do anything, it's about those of us that are rich and in power. Okay, he crossed the line with that mentality right at the start. This is how they began to work. You move forward to Doug Coe, he openly, over and over again, he states Hitler was a wonderful leader. He goes on to describe the events that were happening in China when that specific leader was giving orders to kill. And he says, this is the way that we should rule. Has not everybody remembered what happened in Nazi Germany? Because the churches were backing what they were doing. Those rat lines I spoke of earlier, they moved through the church. Nazi Germany invaded France's Freemasonic lodges and took all their records because they knew right away that a lot of the political workings were going on within these lodges. And they knew if they wanted to have the intelligence on the political working groups, they had to get those records. Records ended up over in Russia. For a great period of time, a lot of them are just starting to filter through now back into the hands of France, again, back to these lodges. They're quite eye-opening, the documents that were there. Rather interesting um, piece of history. Now, some of those more occult-oriented documents did get into the hands of Himmler and the other ones that were involved with those occult aspects, but that's a topic for a far different time. But folks, you've got to understand that they had been working this plan like I said, Verdi came along in 1935, around the time of Roosevelt's New Deal, he gets fired up, and you seem to keep seeing that they're using, they're using the churches to carry out these wicked deeds. That is enough to really disturb you, but let us not forget the Crusades. Okay, as much as I appreciate all the work that people have tried to do over the years pointing out, well, it's the Masons, this, that, and the other thing. I'm sorry, folks, it's not. 
that does not line up with what we have historically documented, not at all. They have their own thing they're doing, yes, but that's not either here nor there. I deal with history. I deal with documented facts. This is what the documented historical facts are presenting. The same pattern is being used throughout the Western world where you've got this, all of a sudden, again, we have this hatred is flaring out of these circles of these people that are calling themselves Christians. Look, folks, the definition of Nicolaitan, the simple definition, people of destruction, destruction of the people. We can flip it either way. It's still the same thing. And God hates their deeds. Folks, if you've gotten it into your mind that any other human being is evil and they need to be eradicated from the face of the planet according to whomever's ideas have been put into your head, you need to wake up. Let Matthew pop in and Add or subtract from anything I just said. No need to. No need to. There's no need to. That which is true will be made evident. Ladies and gentlemen, I do hope that you enjoyed the broadcast as it is at its end. We, of course, will be on with Clinton Co-Watch come Saturday. We will have much to discuss. Like I said, uh, Brian and I are at least uh, planning on over the next three weeks. It seems like we need to do a Celestial Somology episode. We need to do a Spiritual Warfare episode. At least those two. So, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 